the Psalms are such a rich collection of poems that help us in our Christian lives. But there are always some that jump out more than others to us. One of these Psalms that jumps out to me and is stuck in my mind for a number of years is Psalm 130. So this morning I want to have a, a, just a brief look at this, this Psalm and see some of the aspects of it that illustrate why these Psalms can be just so helpful for us. And especially have a, have a little look at this mixture of lament and praise that we saw in that little video. So we're going to read through Psalm 130 and Maggie is going to read it for us uh, just now. So thank you very much, hey, Maggie. Psalm 130 Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. If you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, therefore you are feared. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I put my hope. My hope, my soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning, more than watchmen wait for the morning. O Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. Out of the depths, I cry to you, O Lord. The depths here are the seemingly insurmountable difficulties and struggles and troubles of our lives. They are like deep waters that engulf us and that they go over our heads or threaten to go over our heads and, and drown us in despair and hopelessness. And the Psalms show us that even the most faithful of God's people sometimes find themselves in these depths. Faith in God does not prevent us from experiencing these difficult times. As Jesus promised his disciples, in this world you will have trouble. But the crucial thing is, what do we do when we're in those depths? How do we respond when we have those feelings of anguish or despair or guilt or shame or fear or anxiety? What do we do when they threaten to overwhelm us? Do we just hide from those feelings and thoughts? Do we just try and suppress those emotions? Put on a mask of pretense trying to trick everyone else around us and ourselves that we're really okay? Do we try and get rid of these feelings through distraction or through busyness or through forms of escapism? The danger of doing that is that really we're only storing those, those, those things up for later. Suppressed emotions never really go away. 
Instead, they get deeper ingrained into our hearts and our minds. They get more and more distorted and destructive. Eventually, suppressed emotions mess up our hearts and all of our relationships. Or maybe we're tempted to do the opposite. Not hide from those feelings, but just give in to them. Just give in to those thoughts and those feelings. Let them dominate everything that we think about and do. Sink deeper and deeper into them and let them overwhelm us and ultimately defeat us. Well, the Psalms offer a third path. They teach us a better way of dealing with those difficult emotions and struggles in our lives. Not hiding from them, not being defeated by them, but instead praying them. That's what verse 1 is about. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. This is what is at the heart of lament. A while back, I listened to a podcast, uh, a really, and in that, they had a really useful definition of lament. I can't remember who, who was speaking on the podcast, uh, but this is what they said. They said, lament is a prayer of pain that leads to trust. It's a prayer of pain that leads to trust. It's when we're in pain and instead of running from that pain or sinking into it, we turn to God and genuinely and authentically express that pain to him. We articulate our complaints. We voice our struggles. We share our suffering. And then we ask him for help. That's what the psalmist did here in verse 2. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. This is an expression of faith that we see again and again throughout the psalms. For example, in Psalm 62, says, trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your hearts to him. For God is our refuge. So faith is not pretending that we're all okay, actually. And everything's great. Faith isn't about giving in to our problems either. Rather, it's about being open and authentic, and real with God. And desperately asking him for what we need. In the case of Psalm 130, it seems that the the need there was for forgiveness. Look at verse 3. If you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, O Lord, who could stand? The Psalms are clear that they declare that God is holy. 
And so those who want to approach him, who want to come near to God, they also must be perfectly holy. Psalm 24 says, Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to an idol or swear by what is false. But the psalmist who wrote Psalm 130, he knew that he was not like that. He was acutely aware of his own sinfulness. His hands were not clean. His heart was not pure. And he didn't try and excuse that away. He didn't try and rationalise his sin or blame somebody else for it. He accepted that on his own record, he would not be able to stand before God. He had an accurate and honest view of himself. And it deeply troubled him. And so he came humbly and honestly before God. And he asked for what he needed. He asked for mercy. So the Psalms encourage us not only to be honest and about our pain and our suffering, but also to be honest about the problem of our sin. As, as David says in Psalm 51, I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. So that's the first thing that the Psalms teach us. That whatever we're, whatever we're experiencing, Whatever we're going through, whatever problems that we have, we need to turn to the Lord. So lament is about turning to God, complaining to him and asking him for what we need. But we mustn't stop there. There's there's another step of lament. Remember we said lament is a prayer of pain that leads to trust. We need to trust in God to provide. That's what the psalmist expressed here. Verse 5. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I put my hope. Now for most of us, waiting is not easy. None of us really like to wait. We grow impatient, demanding, frustrated. But waiting on the Lord is an essential expression of faith. It's about holding on to God's promises. It's about depending on God's goodness. It's about longing for God's presence. Trusting in God's timing. But it's also waiting in expectation because we believe that God will answer our need. Look at verse 6. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning. More than watchmen wait for the morning. During the night, those guards on on those city walls, they faithfully stand and keep watch over the city. But they long... For the morning to come. 
Maybe that's because their, their duties are over once, once the sun rises. Or maybe more, more clearly, it's because when the morning comes, then they know that their city is safe and secure. But although the night might feel really long, they know that the end will come. They know that the sun will rise. The morning will come. And we too wait on the Lord with that sense of eager expectation. We are suffering in the night, but we are willing to hold on and trust in the Lord because we know that he is coming for his people and will bring the salvation that we so desperately need and that we so desperately long for. And so in Psalm 130, the, the psalmist was, was overwhelmed with his guilt, but he could trust in that salvation would come because he said, with you there is forgiveness. There's the trust. With you there is forgiveness. God is not only the God of holiness, he is also the God of grace. He is the forgiving God. He is a God who is willing to to cover over our guilt, to, to wash us clean, to remove that full record of our sins. Now the psalm here doesn't explain how God is able to do this. But we know because we have the full revelation of God in his word, we know that the way that God is able to do this is because of Jesus. And that's what we need to remember as we read through the Psalms. We need to remember that in the end they're all pointing to Jesus. Jesus made that really clear in his own life and ministry by quoting from the Psalms repeatedly. He even quoted from the Psalms on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Into your hands I commit my spirit. Both quotations from the Psalms. Jesus also challenged the Pharisees. Pharisees were were people of God's word, of the scriptures, the Old Testament as, as they had it. But he said, you diligently study the scriptures because you think that by them you possess eternal life. These are the scriptures that testify about me. The scriptures testify about Jesus. That's also what Jesus told the two men that he met on the road to Emmaus on that first resurrection morning. Beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. The Bible is all about Jesus. So when we're reading through the Psalms, we need to look for Jesus in the Psalms. We need to see how he is the ultimate fulfillment of the promises in there. We need to see how he is the ultimate solution to the problems raised in the Psalms. He is the ultimate saviour. He is the ultimate shepherd. He is the ultimate stronghold. The Psalms point us to Jesus. 
So in our psalm here, Psalm 130, verse 8, He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. God himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. But how will he do this? How could God set Israel free from all of their transgressions and iniquities and sins? How could a holy God offer such full and free forgiveness to guilty people? How could God be just and at the same time justify the sinner? But we know, don't we? That the answer is Jesus. In Christ, God came down to take that full payment for our sins. To suffer in our place. To die our death sentence. So that we could be fully forgiven. So that we could be set free from sin and death and hell. So that we could stand before God and serve him forever. That's the verse that Lorna quoted earlier in the service. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and 21. So this is why it's so important that we turn to God and trust in him when we're in, in, in need, when we're in those depths. Because if we refuse to be honest about our brokenness, then we will never be able to stand before God. But if we humbly turn to the Lord, confess our need, ask for God's grace, and trust in Him, then we will be fully forgiven. We will be fully and completely and eternally redeemed. But finally, very briefly, because of this reality, the psalmist speaks to his nation to encourage them. Look at verse 7. O Israel, put your hope in the Lord. For with the Lord is unfailing love and with him is full redemption. Lament is a prayer of pain that leads to trust. But as we saw in that video, it also leads to praise. When we have held on to God in these through difficult times, when we have held on to God when we're in the debt, we will want to worship God and express our gratitude and our thankfulness for all that he has done in our lives, even in these times of distress. But we'll also want to tell other people about God's goodness and grace and his unfailing, never-ending love for those who are willing to trust in him. When we are excited about God, and all that he has done in our lives, then we'll not be able to keep it for ourselves. So the Psalms encourage us to take this message of God's love and declare it to the world.
And this is something that we're going to do right now, in our time of communion in a way. The Apostle Paul, when he spoke about what communion is, is, about taking this bread and taking this cup, he actually said in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 26, Whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So let's take this bread. Let's take this cup and remember that in Christ, God himself has redeemed us. He himself has set us free so that we could live with him and for him. And we can take that message of his unfailing love to our generation so that they will know that with God there is forgiveness.